What's up and welcome to the HorrorCast. This is episode number 64. That's right, episode number 64, and it is right in the heart of December. It is Christmas time. And Christmas time for a lot of people is is about, uh, you know, uh, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow in uh, winter wonderland. And for those of us in the horror community, it's about silent night, deadly night. And all kinds of Krampus goodness. And uh, tonight we are going to be talking about two Christmas-themed horror movies. Also, we will do another episode in a couple of weeks on two more Christmas-themed horror movies. And we're going to have a little conversation about what what is it about Christmas horror? It, it, that really seems to be uh, an oxymoron. So what is it about Christmas horror uh, that, that really uh, lights our fire? And uh, gets us going. And what are some of our favorites? I am your host tonight, Mark Nato, from here in my uh, basement in Maryland. And I'm going to bring in first Revenant Vin. What's up, Vin? Hey, what's up, Mark? Uh, yeah, uh, we had a surprisingly warm day to here, warm day here uh, today, but we're supposed to get snow tonight. So I'm um, hoping while we're recording, I might have a couple snowflakes coming down, uh, getting the season. Yeah, we're we're um, supposed to have a little dusting in the morning, so the kids might have a delay. We'll see. We'll see. It's uh, it never really snows here until like January, February. But you up there, up there in Connecticut, I'm sure you have a lot. Yeah, more. We might get a couple inches tonight, possibly. So yeah, yeah. and you'll just plow right through it. You'll just <laughs> go right through it. Now, Jerry, Mister Venom, out in L.A., I guarantee you're not having snow in the morning. Greetings and salutations, Christmas carolers. No, Mark, I, we are actually in the middle of what us Californians consider winter, and that's uh, rain. <laughs> we, yeah, for, it's, rain. Been, it's been pretty much raining on and off uh, every day for the last couple of weeks now. So, yeah, this is our version of winter. And, you know, by mid-January, it'll be gone. And, you know, by February, it'll be, you know, 70, 80 degrees again. So, now, yeah. Now, how cold does it get? 50s uh at night maybe it might hit the 40s but yeah during the day as cold as it'll get it'll be the 50s yeah you guys all right well it, it it's um really something else to me how you guys can just not have the seasons like every my whole life is so like you know i look forward to winter so I can stop sweating my butt off in the summer and then have the holiday season and the snow and everything. And by the time it snowed so much, I'm like, okay, I'm tired of the snow. I'm ready for some spring and some baseball. And then I want to go to the beach in the summer and then a fall with the leaves. I don't know how you do it, man. I don't know. Well, how you do I, it. I mean, born and raised in Connecticut, went to college in Pittsburgh. So pretty much the first almost 30 years of my life were very snow filled. So do, do you miss it? 
Not even remotely. I never, <laughs> if I never see another snowflake again, I can die a happy man. All right. Well, that's okay. That's okay. If you got an inch or two of snow in California, it would shut the whole state down. I guarantee you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, let's just get right into it. Um, while she can't be here tonight, he's working some overtime getting that uh, Christmas cheddar. Horror gal Susan is under the weather. So we, uh, our wishes out to her to feel better. And Captain Creepy will probably join us in about a half an hour or so. But we're going to soldier on because that's what we do here at the HorrorCast. We're just going to soldier right on and uh, and knock these out for you. And I want to have a, a quick conversation, guys, about what exactly what I was just introducing. What is it about Christmas horror? I mean, not even going to say holiday horror because, you know, there's everything has been just crazy with the holiday horror, any, any kind of holiday that you have, there has been a, a horror, a horror movie made about it. Right. I mean, can you think of one that hasn't been, I mean, maybe not Arbor day. No, I guess there was, I don't know if there was an Arbor day. Uh, well, I mean, technically there was a fictional Arbor day yeah, in Bloodfest. Yeah. In, in that Bloodfest movie, they, they okay. had, the, the main villain was the arborist. <laughs> arborist. <laughs> You know, I don't know what it is. I guess, it, uh, did it start with Halloween? I'm trying to um, think if there Black were Cr- any. Black Christmas. Black Christmas. And then you had Halloween. You had Friday the 13th, which is not necessarily a holiday, but you know what I'm saying. Sure. April Fool's Day. You've got a th- you got uh, Thanksgiving horror movies now. you got July right. 4th. you got the Uncle Sam. You, <laughs> you, got, you got everything. you got uh, My Bloody Valentine. So New Year's Evil. Pretty much. Uh, isn't um, Sid Haig's last movie supposed to be a Hanukkah or horror movie? Is it movie? really? Because yeah. I was actually going to ask if there was one. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm not exactly sure when it's coming out, but uh, that was that was the controversy. Rob Zombie went all around saying that his last screen appearance would be on, on Three from Hell. Mm-hmm. And no, he did another um, movie after that. Uh, and, and it's something about Hanukkah. Yeah, so it's a Hanukkah. And, and I'm... I'm I'm sure there's another one. I'm sure there is. I guarantee you there is. I mean, he probably did the Hanukkah movie before Three from Hell. Just Three he from Hell. Have. He might yeah. have. He might have. Just being released after. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm, I'm going to bring in Vin, man. Do you like Christmas horror movies? And if so, what is it about them that you like? Uh, the most of the Christmas horror films, like if it's like a Christmas slasher, you know, ex- with the exception of Black Christmas, I- I'm a big fan of the first, you know, the original Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. But I can kind of, you know, kind of take them or leave them. Uh, I'm not that big on most Christmas horror. Uh, the Christmas horror that I like this time of year is are the ones that operate both as Christmas and as horror films. Mm-hmm. You know, they they evoke. Christmas in some way. It makes me still feel like I'm I'm sort of watching a Christmas film. Um, and it's not just, you know, window dressing and a bunch of lights or something like that. Or it's not kind of a, a wink and nod at the camera of like, look at how daring we are, you know, mm-hmm. because we're we're subverting a holiday or something like that. I mean, I don't know. That just doesn't do much for me. Um, but, you know, it, it's this is a time of year uh, where even if you're. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not Christian, but I still, you know, my family, we still do Christmas. And what I get excited about is it's that time of year where you celebrate wonder and magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of like anything is possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's 
that's what's fun to me uh, is when horror films tap into that aspect. Um, and, you know, just some of the things that I really like about this. I mean, I, when I first heard about, you know, the, the Krumpus myth, uh, oh, I love that. You know, I heard about that quite a few years ago and I was, you know, before the movie came out and everything like that. And um, I, I, I instantly fell in love with that aspect. Uh, and, you know, this is also a year traditionally, uh, we don't really do it in the U.S. very much, but traditionally it was a time when people told ghost stories. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it's part yep. of the, part of the song, right? Scary yep. ghost stories. Scary ghost uh, stories. This, yeah. It's, it's a time of year where you're, you know, depending on what climate you're in, uh, but generally you're stuck inside a lot more, you know, you're with family, maybe, maybe not everybody's there anymore. You know, you start thinking about those that you lost. You think a lot about the past and the future and, you know, these kind of things evoke ghosts. You know, this is a, a season ripe for that. Um, I've always loved the Christmas Carol. Um, yep. just about, you know, most iterations of it. Um, I, I really love, I kind of, I sort of, uh, cycle through them over the Christmases. I keep going back to different ones. Watch um, every single one of them every year, every single one, every nice. single one of them. Um, uh, I mean, we had, we had talked a little bit about, um, the new one. Did you hear about the new one coming out? Yeah. It's yes. more horror tinged, right? Guy Pierce, yeah, yeah. The, on BBC and, yeah. uh, man, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I think the, the date. Is coming up here on maybe the 18th or 19th. Yeah. Well, it already aired in it already aired in the UK. Did it? Yeah. yeah. So I, it's BB, I BBC wait. of America is is the one that's uh, probably going to air it this week or next. Yeah, uh, I, I can't. I, I always, because uh, that is a ghost story. Yeah. It's a ghost it's, story, it's right? Classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd always wish that Guillermo del Toro would produce one or make one or something like that. Mm-hmm. I always thought he'd be a good fit for that story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, you were asking, you know, my relation to Christmas horror, and that that's that's mostly it. There's there's really only a few films that I go to each year, and it's it's not very many, but it's the ones that to me also feel like Christmas, uh, not just horror. Yeah. Okay. Well, just name one right now that you uh, once uh, what well, you already made already Christmas named Krumpus, so Krumpus. Okay. Yeah. Right. I thought that was going to be it, Mister Venom. What about you? Do you like uh, Christmas horror? And uh, if so, why? I mean, I enjoy them. I don't necessarily seek them out. I think I'm in the same boat as Vin where, you know, it's the the time of this. It's the season. Uh, New ones come out every year. So, of course, being the kind of person that watches every new horror movie I can get my hands on, of course, I'll watch them during December. Um, Already watched a couple of new ones this year. But, um yeah, it's not it's not like I love the subgenre necessarily. Now when they're done well, obviously they're just great movies and I enjoy them in that aspect. Like certain movies like he's already mentioned Krampus, um one of the films that we're doing tonight as well. Um I'll watch those movies throughout the year. Uh, just because they're mm-hmm. good films, it doesn't really. I, I don't need to. I don't need it to be Christmas for me to watch Krampus or, you know, to watch Rare Exports or you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night, whatever the case may be. Um, if it's a good movie that I enjoy, I can watch it any time of year. Um, as obviously, as I already mentioned, you know, when it is December or nearing December, that's when we start getting. You know, sometimes there'll be some theatrical releases. Like this year, of course, we're getting a new one um, in theaters this Friday, actually. And then, you know, there've been some, a couple of independent ones that I've seen at some of the little, you know, small theaters out here also this year. So, like I said, just because I like to consume as much new horror as I possibly can, I'm going to see them. And just by nature of when they're released, I'm going to see more of them in December. So, 
But yeah, like I said, it, it's not necessarily a subgenre that I seek out. Um, it's it, you know, it's not like I get any kind of warm, fuzzy feeling watching a Christmas horror film. Now, trust me, I have my nostalgic Christmas. Um, movies and TV specials that I watch every single year. Um, I will unapologetically watch Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas every year, regardless of what anybody thinks of me that, for it. That is scary. It yes. is. It is one of my absolute favorites, and and I know that's nostalgia speaking, but whatever. I love the Muppets, so. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I'm kind of, kind of the same way as Vin. It's like I enjoy them, but you know, it's not like a favorite of mine by any stretch. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I really seem to enjoy the Christmas horror subgenre, um, but I, I am like Vin, where it, it can't be just pigeonholed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to be watching like a, a movie that that makes me feel Christmassy, and then bam, that's going to hit me in the face with horror. And um, yeah, I I, uh, I think that it is a good thing that directors can use to really uh, bring out some, some awesome lighting and cinematography. Uh, Even some Christmas movies that I don't really like uh, sometimes can have some really good cinematography and some good camera work because it's just something about, you know, shooting Christmas lights and decorations and everything. It just, it's just aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you throw some some blood and some 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 creatures in there, uh, it, it it is a recipe for success. If you ask me, um, if if you go as far as saying Gremlins is a is a um, Christmas horror, I mean, is it? Is it not? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it is set on Christmas. I mean, I Gizmo is a Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Christmas present. Yeah. That's one that everything. all returns to every year, every other year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then come on, uh, Phoebe Cates' story about her dad dying in the It's chimney. definitely, for me, it's definitely more Christmas than horror. I mean, yes, there's little monsters. Yes, people die in it, but... Um, it's definitely it, gateway it, horror. Yeah, Exactly, yes. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say, oh, go watch this to be scared. That's just a feel good movie, especially for those of us who grew up with it. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's great. But uh, definitely Black Christmas. When I talked about the cinematography, is there any any shot in Christmas film history, like uh, Christmas horror film history, as beautiful as the stabbing scene with the with the ice uh, pick, the ice uh, icicle, the icicle. <laughs> Uh, th- that is an awesome scene, is it not? It's a great scene, absolutely. I mean, it's a great scene with the ice and it's dripping and the blood. I mean, and just just so great. And there's carolers outside. I don't, I forget what song they're singing, but uh, j- just uh, it, I guess it's because it's the last thing you'd expect during a Christmas movie during the Christmas season is for something horrific like this to happen. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I know say that. that uh, Sorry, a movie like Black Christmas to me, it's like, that's one that I don't feel Christmas when I watch Mm -hmm. it, but it's such a good movie. I use Christmas just as an excuse to put it on. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, it is. It is a, a fantastic horror movie. It really is. And um, and you were you were just talking about like great cinematography and shot selection and things like that. I just recently watched a movie called Deadly Games, mm-hmm. um, which was a 1989 film that was only recently released in America. So you know, it, it an American version of it has never been uh, made available to us here. It just dropped on Shutter, I believe, uh, last week on the sixth. 
And um, that movie, though not very violent and not real heavy in the horror, has a lot of great shots because most of the movie takes place in this great big gothic mansion. Yeah, um, it's like it's like Home Alone uh, <laughs> Christmas style. Many you know? people say that it inspired Home Alone because it did come a couple of years before Home Alone. So a lot of people do make that claim. But I mean, Chris Columbus I, and John Hughes probably saw it and were like, hmm, uh, unless this they were coming out in the states anytime soon. So maybe we can. Oh. <laughs> shit yeah yeah I, I need to watch that uh i haven't watched it it's, in my, it's on my list that one and there's another one that um that i didn't really even hear of until this year because i did a little bit more um searching but the day of the beast mm -hmm. uh, from yeah, 1995 yeah, yeah. i had no idea that that even existed so i'm gonna Great. i'm gonna watch that one so but uh, the, night, the night train murders is another good one. It's uh, basically it's an Italian film. Uh, the director's name is Aldo Lotto. I reviewed that recently on a guest spot on 22 shots of moods and horror. Um, it's basically Aldo Lotto's um, version of the last house on the left, but it's set on Christmas day. Yep. So, and, and it's actually even more violent than Wes Craven's last house on the left. But yeah, um, that's another one that maybe not a lot of people realize is a Christmas movie because they don't really advertise it as such like on the box art or whatever, but yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I, I know um, we're going to be, past this conversation when captain creepy comes on here and i know he's he would say uh he loves the nightmare before christmas but is that is that a christmas movie is that a halloween movie what is it you know it's a little bit of both i guess yeah i always watch that on november 1st because technically the movie starts the day after halloween yes. so it fits for me it's bridging the gap <laughs> there you go but but there's a lot of you know christmas horror movies that use the santa angle um you know christmas evil uh, mm. Silent Night, Deadly Night, parts one through seventy-five. Um, oh, that was <laughs> that was a joke. Um, <laughs> there's only like there's, I know, but I mean the fact that you that you don't realize until you really look that Mickey Rooney starred in a mm. Silent Night, Deadly Night movie. Isn't that crazy? I think it was hey. one of his last screen appearances. Hey, you got to pay the bills, man. Yeah, and. Um, uh, I, I also, uh, want to mention, I know Tammy had mentioned this on one of our, um, round tables, but home for the holidays mm -hmm. is a made for TV movie from 1972 starring a young Sally field. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's a, a Christmas kind of whodunit murder mystery. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of stuff, man. That that's, that's good. So join us as we go through four movies tonight we'll be doing two we are going to be talking about 2010's rare exports a christmas tale which by the way i had never seen until this year oh. uh, that had been on my list I i'm seriously for like eight years <laughs> eight years i'm like I i'm gonna watch rare exports this year and i just never gotten around to it so i'm glad i did and then we are going to be talking about uh 2016's Better watch out. So we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get right into Rare Exports. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were, were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. His mom called the office. No answer. 
Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's when I noticed the smell. The firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird. And instead, they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck, died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. All right, we are back. And uh, we're going to get this thing started. We're going to talk about a... 2010 Finnish movie called Rare Exports. It is rated R, one hour and 24 minutes, and it is uh, categorized as adventure, fantasy, horror. Uh, directed by, uh, forgive me, does anybody know how to say this? Yeah, John- uh, the L the L is silent, so it's Yamari Halander. Uh, Yamari Halander. Okay. Mm-hmm. He also wrote it uh, along with three other people. Uh, I think they're his brothers, the Helander brothers. Uh, stars, and I'm just not even going to say these names, okay? Because <laughs> no one's even going to know who they are. These are all Finnish actors, uh, a lot of names that you would not recognize, but. Um, Finnish is a very difficult de- language. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, come on. I have trouble with English. So I listen be- to a lot of Finnish heavy metal, so I, I probably know how to pronounce more than I should. <laughs> Uh, in the depths of the, oh, here we go, Corvantunturi. I don't even know how, what is it? In the depths of this mountain, 486 meters deep, lies the closest ever guarded secret of Christmas. Um, the, the time has come to dig it up. This Christmas, everyone will believe in Santa Claus. Uh, basically, that is a really bad uh, <laughs> explanation of what this movie is about. There's these people who are uh, on top of this mountain and they're digging in the mountain to find. Uh, I think they know what is in there, right? They're they're trying. Uh, yeah. To find, yeah, yeah. At least one guy does. Yeah, <laughs> and they're trying to find that there's their their radar and everything shows that there's something down there. They're trying to get at it, and the people who live right around uh, the area uh, end up. Uh, uh, experiencing the fallout of, of all of that. So uh, let's roll the trailer. When we get back, we're going to get into it. It's the most magical time of the year. When traditions are honored. And the youngest among us still believe in the spirit of the season. We found something else than just plain rocks and dirt. This mountain is like a giant icebox. For storing what? Drill deeper. Bear the dynamite. You have grains. 
to rob. Minkälaiset sulet tekee? Hyvä, joo. Santa Claus. Selitä sille, että meillä on täällä pukki myytävänä. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. We're back and just uh, want to make sure everyone knew that we are going to spoil this movie uh, as well as the next one, but we're going to spoil this. It's been out since 2010. So uh, for us to really uh, get into it and talk about what we thought about it, yeah, we will definitely be spoiling it. So you have been warned. All right, Mr. Venom, why don't you come in first? Tell us uh, when's the first time you saw this movie and what are your first impressions? All right. Well, I saw this movie right when it was released back in 2010. I was lucky enough to see it in a theater out here in L.A. and absolutely fell in love with it from first watch. Um, just a completely different take on the Santa Claus mythos. Um, it was just so refreshing. Great performances all around, including our main star, very, uh, you know, very young actor, Uni Tomiya. Um I, I thought that just the concept of, you know, what they were, what they had presented to us was just so original and different. It wasn't just a basic, you know, crazy guy in a Santa suit going around killing people in a mountain town. Um, this was, you know, kind of based more on actual folklore of Santa Claus and maybe even a little Krampus in there because some of the, uh, some of the artwork showing the quote unquote mm -hmm. original Santa Claus looked very Krampus like yeah, yeah. so horny. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to put it yeah yep. um but yeah i mean like i said i saw this right away absolutely loved it was blown away and the cinematography in this movie i know when you have a beautiful mountain setting like this it's not hard to have nice cinematography but there are still some really nice shots i mean right from right near yep. the beginning of the movie uh, right at the drill site there's a beautiful shot with the mountains in the background and the sun setting so yeah, I've seen I've seen movies in the mountains that don't have it. So, yeah, uh, it, you still have to have somebody who knows what they're doing. And I oh, sure. I, I thought the same thing, man. Really good yeah. cinematography. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just about everything about this movie, I absolutely love. There's not really anything that I can pinpoint that bothers me or made me roll my eyes or anything like that. And I've watched it now probably close to 10 times it's not quite in every christmas watch but if i have the time i will absolutely pop it in and now that it's on shutter 
you know, we can, I can pop it in for free anytime I want. So yeah, this is, this is a more Christmases than not. I will definitely be watching this one. It's, it's maybe not in heavy rotation, like some of my favorites, like a Christmas Carol or something like that or Scrooged. But, um, this is, you know, absolutely something that just, it's, it, 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 it it's it brings joy to my heart to watch something so twisted and different. So yeah, kudos to these filmmakers. All right, how about you, Vin? Uh, very similar to Jerry. I didn't see it in the theater, but I did see it. I think it must have been on Netflix. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was a few. It was quite a few years ago now that I saw it. Um, and like him, I, I you know I fell in love with this as well. Um, and you mentioned the cinematography. I mean, yeah, you know you can make mountains look good, no problem. Uh, but there's also there's a lot of CGI in this film, um, and composites and everything like that, and that looks really good too. Uh, mm-hmm. They do a really good job integrating things and just making it look you know breathtaking at times. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a very beautiful movie. Um, and you know I, I don't generally watch certain movies every year i kind of alternate like every other year uh but this is one that has been in my rotation you know i mentioned earlier that there's very few films that christmas horror films i go back to you know regularly and this is one of them you know just like crump is just like i usually throw in gremlins every other year you know and rare exports is one of the other ones every other year uh i put it in um but yeah this is one that really does help to evoke the holiday as well uh, you know, I feel like I've watched a Christmas film, but it also kind of helps me scratch the horror itch as well. I mean, this is not like hardcore horror by any means. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's very light on the horror, but there's some great dark comedy. There's some really amazing visuals, uh, you know, and it's, it's just enough to, to kind of get me there. Yeah. Well, like I said, this is the first time I've seen this movie. I feel ashamed to say that actually, um, because this is kind of. I had been hearing for years that this was a really good Christmas horror movie and I should watch it. And it, like you said, it's been on Netflix. It's been on shutter. It's been, so I have no excuse. Uh, so I'm really glad that I I finally watched this. I watched it twice in prep for this and, uh, watched it on my, my big screen, my HD, uh, my 4k and, uh, man, it, it, it really, really looks good. I mean, it is, it is not a cheaply made movie, you know, and, and a lot of times when you look at Christmas horror, sometimes you're, you're getting a cheaply made movie. You know, honestly, that's just oh, yeah. the way it is. I mean, nine times out of 10, they're just cheaply made movies. Um, this one is, is top notch. I, I felt that the characters were, were good and they were like funny and easy to root for. Uh, I, there, there are some things that I, I wish, you know, we'll get into it when we get into dislikes. And I know I feel like I'm going to be the only one with any dislikes, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's just a fresh take. It really is a fresh take in, in a, uh, on the Christmas and the Santa Claus mythos. And, you know, I, I still have questions, <laughs> you know, it, there's, it, it creates like a, a universe that, that could, there could be a rare exports too. You know, yeah. I feel so, uh, especially with that ending, yep. uh, what they're sending out there. I'm like, come on, that can go wrong. <laughs> you know, that has oh, yeah. to go wrong. Right. Um, and I, I don't wonder if they, you know, did that as a way to maybe set up one, but I mean, it's been nine years, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Hey, if zombie land can get a, 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 a 10 years later, or, yeah. or, or a sequel 10 years later, so can this, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the acting, uh, not knowing anybody in this cast because they're Finnish actors. 
Uh, I thought everyone did a good job. I think the kids uh, were good, especially like you said, the the, the main kid who I'm not going to say his name because I, I don't know it, but he he did a good job. He was convincing. Um, so so let's uh, let's just go around and talk about some of our our more specific likes. Um, I'm I'm going to start it off, and I'm going to say that I, I really was impressed with the creativity of the elves. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like I, I wasn't oh, sure yeah. what was happening. Twist. You mean? I was like, do, do they have Santa Claus here? Uh, when, when they have, um, the, the first elf laying mm. there in, in the, in the, in the, the butcher shop, mm-hmm. you know, any, any bites the guy's ear off or whatever. <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking that that's that's Santa Claus, right? I think that's what we're intended to think yeah. the first time. And um and come to think of, you know, and come to find out that it's not Santa Claus, it is an elf and that pretty much all the elves they don't they don't look like these little jolly little tiny people with nice pointy ears running around. They all look like basically a version of Santa Claus. You know, they're they're kind of old men with beards. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're buck naked. Thanks. Lots of <laughs> penis in this movie. Oh, yeah. Appreciate that. But, um, no, for the most part, you can't even see it, but, uh, and I thought that was cool. And, and how they came back and they said, how, how do you think, um, Santa Claus seems to always be everywhere at once, you know, mm-hmm. because there's so many elves and they all look, you know, the same. And so they're all being Santa's helpers all over the world. And I, that kind of like, that is neat. Well, there's also the whole fact that, you know, usually you tell kids when you go to the mall, like, yeah, it's not the real Santa, but it's Santa's helper. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And they're, they're saying, no, it's really, you know, it's, <laughs> um, it, they're very mysterious. You don't know if these things have been, have they been hibernating or are they, are they transformed from the people who are working at the, uh, you know, at the drill site? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, I kind of like how they, they leave certain things unexplained. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I, I like explanations, but in this case, I kind of like how they don't over explain a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about, come on, Van, just, uh, go with some, some good stuff that you well, like. I mean, about. I think, uh, it, I did a little bit, of, I try to do some research a little bit into, uh, of course you because do. there, well, there, there's certain things that this film, if you're finished that you just kind of accept. Right. Mm-hmm. And as an American watching it, you don't quite understand why they come to certain conclusions. Um, so I did just a little bit of background lore. So Santa in Finland is known as, and I'm going to totally butcher this, but Julupuki, I think. Um, and that basically translates to Yule goat, right? So Yule being the kind of traditional Viking holiday, right? Mm-hmm. And then a goat and goats were generally associated with Thor. Um, and he's kind of a combination of, there's things called Nutipuki, <laughs> if I'm, mm. again, I'm butchering it, uh, where they were evil spirits who would go door to door demanding gifts and leftovers from the Yule feast traditionally. Um, and men often dressed as these goats to perform this. And by the 19th century, they kind of changed it. Right. So, uh, they went from demanding gifts to actually giving them to children. And they also started combining elements of the American style Santa Claus as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because especially in, in Finland, what they generally believe is that, uh, this Santa Claus, his home is in that, uh, Korva Tunturi mountain, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So where they live, traditionally in Finland, that's supposed to be Santa's home. So that's so, kind of like North Pole. Yeah. 
they actually filmed it though in a mountain in Norway because apparently the real place is not a very impressive hill. <laughs> it's just not very <laughs> interesting. It's in the shape of an ear, and it's actually it translates to ear fell. Um, mm. So the director's just like, this does not look very Christmassy. So they went to Norway and filmed. Um, so when the kid says, oh, they found Santa, it's not like a total leap of logic for why he would think that. Like, that's actually part of Finnish tradition. That's where he was, he's supposed to be. Okay. Um, and the fact that, you know, Santa in the American tradition, he, you know, uses reindeer, he lives up in the north. The Finns have adopted a lot of certain American aspects, right? Um, yeah. And in the movie, what they do is basically they combine this the Nutipuki, right? The the evil spirits, uh, these kind of ghost spirits, with kind of a Krumpus version, right? In order to create their original Santa. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, this is definitely a Krumpus creature. You can actually see the the switch also sticking out of the ice, right? That he would beat the kids with, and mm-hmm. um, you know, they're putting the kids in the sacks and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So. It, that it, it doesn't it doesn't entirely explain every single thing <laughs> about the movie, but it definitely it at least helped me in the beginning understand why the kid automatically jumps to the conclusion that they found Santa. Yeah, I, I had no idea. So that that makes it uh, so basically the North Pole to, to us is exactly where they were living. Right. And so. their their Santa he has reindeer that pull um, like kind of like a sleigh, but they don't fly. So there's just little differences here and there. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah this, he's definitely drawing on the, the the more pagan roots of the Santa Claus myth, um, I, which I, I certainly appreciate. I love that. I had a question: Who killed all the reindeer? I think the, it was the, the old men. Yeah, the helpers, yeah. the elves, the elves did. Okay, because yep. uh, I was like, man, where where is all these people coming from? <laughs> <clears throat> all right, uh, what about you, uh, Jerry? What else you got? Um, I love the heart of this movie. This movie has a lot of heart. There's a a lot of Christmas horror films will be, as I already mentioned earlier, just a crazy guy in a Santa Claus outfit going around killing people, you know, or something like uh, like a Christmas horror story, um, you know, where there's, you know, different versions of Christmas horror spoken about throughout, but with very little heart. This one, this movie, I mean, there's, there's actually tender moments in this movie between Pietri and Rauno, his father. Um, there's specifically one of the first quiet scenes that they have where they're talking about gingerbread. They're just talking about gingerbread and how, you know, the dad made gingerbread cookies cause mom is obviously gone. And, you know, he taught and, you know, Pietri talks about how, Oh, they taste just like moms and you can kind of see dad's expression change. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it kind of warmed his heart a little bit. Yeah, that's hear. a good, uh, that's a good yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah it's, oh, it's one of my favorite scenes of the movie. I absolutely love it. You I know? like how he, uh, he kind of tries to send the kid upstairs so he doesn't see him cry. You know, he's exactly. Just, he seems just trying to hold it together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it definitely seems like the kid, I mean, depending on when mom passed away, obviously the kid maybe, you know, was too young to really deal with it emotionally the way dad did. But yeah, um, it just, it's scenes like that that really work for me. And then, you know, once the other two guys show up to kind of help, uh, Pietri's dad, you know, uh, again, there's camaraderie there. There's, there's mm-hmm. friendship. I mean, this, this movie may not exude Christmas. It's fa- as far as its visuals go, you know, there's not, cause this is, you know, these, these people live in like a poor mountain town. So it's not like there's mm-hmm. lights and trees and decorations and, you know, wrapped presents and everything. Um, you know, it, it's more about just camaraderie, companionship, things like that. And I, I just absolutely love that about the movie. So yeah, easily 
um, one of the Christmas films with the most heart that I've ever seen, as far as yeah. Christmas horror goes, anyway. You're touching on something else that I think is really interesting. You know, we 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 know that the mother's gone, right? But there's no females whatsoever in the film. Yeah, I was going to say that Nobody. it's all men. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just these fathers and sons. Um, so you have this male bonding. Uh, you know, the even the men kind of treat each other like brothers. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I like you know he, the father. You know, when he looks at his son, his son almost he seems too gentle natured for the kind of harsh reality that they live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, it's like the father kind of doesn't want him to lose the innocence, even though he doesn't know how to connect with him <laughs> through it. Uh, so he keeps <laughs> wanting to protect him from these like grim realities. Like he doesn't want him to see him dressing the pig and everything else, you know? And uh, I actually, I found, I found a reason for why there's no women, which I thought was actually really interesting. There was a, a Q and a that the director did in 2010. Um, and when they asked about it, he said, originally in the story, there are actually women. Um, and the kid had a mother. He said, uh, but he realized that if he had women, that he couldn't have a story. Uh, because when men, he says, when men have their own plans, it's so much easier to do those plans. There's no woman around asking, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so he wanted these men to kind of make like these kind of rash decisions and not have a female voice in there to question what they're doing. Uh, so I thought that was actually kind of a, a funny <laughs> All right, disclaimer. Reason for it. Uh, we at the horror cast do not hold the views. <laughs> no, yeah, but that's true. I mean, it's that would have been just another wrinkle. This, this movie is kind of short, though. I thought. Yes. Uh, it was about what an hour twenty minutes. Twenty two, something like that. Yeah. And let's just mix it all together here. Likes, dislikes. Just have a conversation here. One of my like, I, I, I thought it took a while to get going like like what was actually happening i think it took a little while and i would have i would have liked to have seen a little bit more um of the like maybe the kidnappings and those elves going around and and doing what they were doing you know um i think that would have made it a little more horror centric sure yeah it might have it might have spoiled the 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 uh, the reveal though that the old man was not Santa Claus. If we actually saw other old men that looked just like him taking the children, I guess they could have framed it in a way where we didn't actually see who was taking the children. Yeah, like yeah. you know, keep the antagonist kind of off camera. But mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, if they would have shown them, it might have spoiled the surprise of you know the, our main elf that you know he's not actually Santa Claus, or, or right? that there's like over a hundred of them. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> that. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I was uh, just, you know, I found myself, I don't know, when I didn't have a watch looking, but around the half hour, 40 minute mark, you know, just kind of like, let's let's get this going, you know. And then when it gets going, it, it, it goes. I, mean, I can relate you to know? one thing that you're saying is I do feel like the beginning, you know, even though I, even though I mentioned that there's a reason the kid would think that they found Santa, uh, when he jumps to the conclusion that this is like evil Santa, and mm-hmm. somehow he has like, an entire library in his room full of Christmas books. I don't know. It doesn't look like there's a bookstore or library anywhere near there. I don't know where he's getting these things. The um, truth about you know, Santa. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know how he's getting a hold of these things. Um, so I, I feel like that could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Uh, but that's really the only spot in the movie where I feel like they maybe rushed it a little mm-hmm. bit. 
I assume that it was just like fairy tales that were told over generations that, you know, adults would tell children kind of like you were talking about the ghost stories that they used to tell on Christmas. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, one or two of those stories could have incorporated the original Santa Claus. And yeah, he seems to have like 20 books about it in his room. That's true. They're like all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then the, the picture that he had printed out, you know, Mm -hmm. of, of the mountain, and the the radar where you see the the thing oh, in the yeah. middle there, right. <laughs> it doesn't look like anything. It just yeah, looks like it's a just a hole. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> like a so, hole in the look, ice. That's yeah, Santa. Exactly. I know that's Santa. Okay. Well, yeah, the kid faith. But yeah. this this kind of goes back to that what I was saying in the beginning that I kind of appreciate these Christmas horror films that kind of uh, they embrace the whimsy and magic of Christmas in a certain way. So in when it's a Christmas horror film, I don't always mind the leaps in logic. Uh, because most Christmas films have those in abundance, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's that, again, that magical time of year. I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever this kid figured it out. And it doesn't really bother me too much. Yeah. I kind of liked how the older kid mentioned the Coca-Cola Santa Claus. I thought that was because, yeah. like, I mean, yeah. that's definitely a, an American invention, right. um, which actually started to get me to think like, um, the look of the helpers, do you think that the look of the helpers changed as the kind of society's vision of Santa Claus changed? Because they because they looked like what we think Santa Claus looks like. But when you look at the artwork, when you look at the actual block of ice with the giant horn sticking out of it, they don't actually look like Santa Claus, at least that Santa Claus. Well, they they're not look- fat. They're not like the like the American Santa is fat, you know. Right. But if you've got, I think, like, St. Nicholas, you know, over in, like, you know, with the Dutch tradition, I think that he's a thinner guy with a long beard. Um, it's well, it's right. the Americans was... that made him fat. Right. Well, I mean, that that's kind of what I was getting at, is do you think that the look of the helpers actually changes to make them appear more like what society thinks Santa Claus looks like? Because maybe the helpers looked more like Krampus at the beginning. Not at the beginning of the movie, but, like, beginning mm-hmm. of time if you will the beginning of santa claus's existence because that's what i was wondering i'm like wow they look like modern santa clauses yeah thin sure but a couple of them had bell- pot bellies so at the very <laughs> least um but yeah I, I found that odd um i think the, i think the per- father christmas myth i think the, the beard has been around for a very long time yes yeah yeah that's true father yeah father noel papa noel i guess mm-hmm. as they call him in, in europe yeah so but yeah that's what that's what i was kind of wondering if it, since these helpers seem like they were they they were the workers that dug out Santa and then became Santa because they they have the the scene where they the, they have the one that they captured they pull out his ID and they say right. that the guy's not even fifty but yeah. that helper is easily in his sixties there's no way right. that guy's in his forties so, so it's like so they either he stole that jacket or he transformed exactly that's what <laughs> yeah. I was trying to get at like did they right. steal clothes. From you know um, the workers, or did they, or did the workers actually become the helpers? And and mind you, I don't mind a little bit of uh, ambiguity. I, right. I, I d- definitely, it's not like I walked away, you know, scratching my head about it by any stretch. But it was just it, one of those, you know, after it like doesn't, a fifth yeah, walk. it doesn't seem like they needed clothes. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I I wouldn't see him putting on a jacket that he found. So my assumption is that we're supposed to think that those guys that were up working the drill because remember they go up to the drill and there's nobody there. Right. Um, so I'm guessing that those guys turned into those things and they started eating the deer. Uh, that that's my assumption, but I'm not, 
you know. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> probably what I'm leaning. I don't towards. need a hard answer about it, but I mean that that's kind of what I'm thinking is yeah. the movie's trying to tell us. Sure. Yeah, it could be because it's weird that he would have a wallet and, and ID on him. You know, how, if he was an elf. How, how absolutely terrifying was that uh, elf stare when oh, yeah. when Pietri walked into the butcher shop <laughs> and the sta- the cold stare that he gives? I mean, I got chills. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's creepy looking. He really is. Yeah, and I like yeah. I like when uh, the boy is up at the window trying to peek and and he's like sniffing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like he smells the kid. Uh, it's just pretty creepy. There's also these great moments of dark humor. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking of the shot when the 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 elf is hanging from the chains mm. <laughs> and he's swinging <laughs> and he's just staring at them, you know, and they're passing around gingerbread cookies and <laughs> you know, it's it's great shots like that. Or when the when the one guy with the beard he's throwing gingerbread cookies at the the naked elves. They're yes. dropping their pickaxes so they can eat gingerbread. You know? Oh right, yeah, they love gingerbread. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now, I thought it was a, a cool twist there. Um, you know how they ended up getting the the elf into that slaughterhouse. You know because he had that illegal pit. You know he, mm-hmm. he didn't want anybody to find out yeah, that he pit. had done that yeah. pit, that wolf pit, because it's illegal. And him and his buddy, you know, hey, you got to help me here. <laughs> and so they're they're ready to just grind this guy up and make yeah, him go chop away. Him <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty funny. Um, let's see. I I, I kind of wish that we had more of just the kids. You know what I'm saying? Like just the 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 regular the the main character. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Piatri. Uh, Piatri or whatever. And then the 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 older kid that is his friend. I forget it. Juso. Juso. Yeah. I guess we had, we had more of them and their camaraderie and, and maybe some, um, um, I don't know, some hijinks or some, I I don't know. I mean, if it's just a story, I would be okay with it. If it's just, I got the impression. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. No, I I got the impression that he doesn't really fit in with a lot of the kids that are around there. Oh Mm -hmm. yeah. You know that. Yeah. The other kids are a little bit more hardened. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe I don't think there's a lot of kids at all. So I think he's probably maybe one of the youngest ones around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, yeah, he did have a lot of kids. He did have a list. He was calling. Yeah. They're like, well, that's true. He had his list yeah. Yeah, like yeah. six or seven kids. He was right. trying to call. And, yeah, but I gotta say, seven. man, I mean, when the poop hit the fan, I mean, this kid had showed some amazing poise. I mean, <laughs> yeah. all the ideas were his. I mean, yeah, he, he knew exactly. Yeah, and he was willing, a, willing to sacrifice himself, too. And what's funny is, too, the first time I saw it, like, in the first act, I was actually getting a little upset with the kid because it seemed like he was just defiant to the end. He never, ever listened to any adult. Anytime they told him to do anything, he did the complete opposite. Um, but then I started with, with subsequent we rewatches, I started to realize that no, this kid is just savvy. It's, it's not necessarily that he's defiant or that he's, you know, purposely trying to go against the adults. Uh, I think just, he was so convinced that they found Santa Claus that he just, you know, he knew that if he just stayed in his house by himself, he was toast. So well, it, it almost, it almost added to the character when I started watching the movie a second, third, fourth time. Uh, and now I, I love the character. Now every time he does something against his father, his father's wishes in the first act, I'm like, well, that probably saved his life, right. you know, ultimately. So, yeah. Well, well they, they use the uh, advent calendar as a way to kind of track his 
yes. his progression, right? Because in the in the beginning, we basically see him like he, he, you know, he has the toy in his arms and he's running around in his underwear, right? Um, and he's stapling the advent calendar so that uh, you know December twenty fourth won't open. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like you know they end up using this as like a metaphor for him becoming a man when the warehouse door that has the original Santa in it resembles the advent calendar and it has the big, mm-hmm. you know, it's warehouse 24, you know? Mm-hmm. So he goes from a kid in his underwear carrying his toy to basically this armored warrior who takes matters into his own hands, you know? Yeah. And I like how by the end he, he and his father are like almost essentially partners, you know, it's like, they're yes. like business partners, uh, you know, and also, you know, they're partners in life as well. They're just like, you know, uh, th- you have that nice kind of shot where they're walking hand in hand be- behind the Santa crate. You know, so at first his father was super protective of him, and now he seems to just kind of accept him as an equal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I thought all that stuff was great, and he has this yeah. great line when uh when when Yuso, I think right, he says like, "Why do we have to go in the sack?" And he says, "Because it's my plan. Let's go." So he just <laughs> like the kids didn't have to go in the sacks. He just decided to put them back in the sacks when they went in the helicopter, <laughs> just because I think he wanted he mm-hmm. wanted it his way. Uh, it's just a funny scene where he's just like, "Don't screw with me. Just do what I say right now." Absolutely, because <laughs> there was no way that was, there was no reason those kids had to be in sacks. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. No, Other you're than right. it being his plan. I mean, they probably, I mean, they probably were a little slightly warmer in there since they were yeah, so. in midair or whatever. Uh, if if I have any problem with the movie, it's going to be the execution of that final plan. Man, does Beatty have just the greatest grip ever? How he doesn't fall off of that, um, whatever you want to call it, basket. Yeah, I mean, because it's not like he's tied in there. He didn't strap himself in. He's literally just holding. And, and man, and how old is this kid? Maybe 11, 12, you know, at, at the oldest. And, man, he's holding on like he's Chuck frickin' Norris. I, I, I couldn't get over it. So, and it's suspension of disbelief, I understand. Yeah. And, like I said, it, it's Christmas really... Christmas magic, cool. man. Christmas magic. Christmas magic. That's right. It is a, um, a bit of a coming-of-age, you know, story there in there for him. And, and earning the respect of his father, who like you said, was kind of like scared that this kid didn't really measure up or he was like too soft for, cause I guess when you're in that kind of environment, you, you've got to be hard, you know, that's mm-hmm. not a, that's not an easy place to live. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, and the fact that, um, you know, at the end, like you said, they kind of, kind of became partners and, and, he, he, what was his thing he said uh, when he was ready to sacrifice himself? Tell my dad I did this. Yeah, tell my dad yeah. what I did. Yeah, yeah, because he wanted his dad to be proud of him. And then at the end, when his dad came and, and you know came to um, the rescue, basically, he was like, uh, "You're quite a man." Mm-hmm. You know, he called him a man. Yeah, so it, it they was come to an like understanding that. of each other. Yeah, so it was kind of. It's not like, like the father was denying uh, him. Yeah, you know, the the father obviously loved him. He just didn't know how to communicate with him. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, I mean, if if you lived in a place like that and you had kind of like a you know sensitive <laughs> kid who's not like hardened to that kind of lifestyle, yeah, I mean, then you'd, you'd just lost be wor- your wife. You'd be and, yeah, you'd be worried yeah. for him. You'd be worried for him because that's like you know that this is how you have to be to survive in this, uh, you know, this environment. So, but yeah, I, I always enjoy a good coming of age story. So there was that, that arc there that, that I liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I really wish we could have seen more of the actual 
real Santa Claus. You know, I thought about that after my first watch walking out of the theater. I'm yeah, like, same hmm, here. They, it's funny. They never really showed a Santa. Yeah. <laughs> and, but ultimately with, with every subsequent we watch, I, man, I'm having trouble with English today. Excuse me. Um, every time I rewatch the movie, I have less and less problem with the fact that we don't see Santa. Cause yeah. ultimately this story, it's not about Santa. You know, it's about it's more about the mythos. It's and, and obviously it's more about these men and boys from this village that have to deal with this problem. So I you know, the more I watch it, the less problem I have with the fact that we don't spoiler alert, we don't actually get to see Santa Claus other than two giant horns sticking out of a block of ice. Yeah, and then those I were, thought, those are some big horns. Oh, those were gigantic. Santa was he was Ooh. big. But I always thought too that if they ever did do a sequel, that that might be what we get. We might, you know, we might get the reveal that oh, Santa Claus didn't die at the end of this one, and then we finally actually get to see him. You know, figuring that they would have a, a bigger budget for the second one. You know, since the yeah. first one is uh, you know moderately popular, blah blah blah. But yeah, you know what? I'm actually very okay with not seeing Santa in this one. It, yeah, it I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's, I, I had the same reaction the first time I saw it. I was kind of a little bit disappointed. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm thinking about it over the years and like this, this movie only had about a $2 million budget. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had tried to show us that thing, it would not have been able to live up to our expectations. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think definitely. that keeping it enshrouded in mystery CGI. would have been a lot better. Yeah, it would have been CGI, or we would have just seen like a couple of big hooved feet, you know, walk by or something. Like they wouldn't have mm-hmm. given us the whole thing because even the pros, I mean, even the the practical effect for that would have been incredibly expensive, and you would have needed a whole crew just to run that yeah. effect. So yeah, Mark's probably right. It probably would have been CG, and I would have hated it. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like you said that when you first watch it, so remember this is my first time. So this is just my initial reaction. I'll watch this over and over again. And, and probably that desire will go away to see that, you know, I'll be like, accept it for what it is and be like, okay. Um, uh, let's talk about the end here. (laughs) Um, first of all, there was a, there was a real explosion, wasn't it? I would have to believe so. It looked real. It didn't look CGI. So that exactly. was a good, that was a pretty good uh, explosion. I, I I took note of that. I um, think it was I think it was maybe enhanced. Yeah, yeah it might know, have been I think it was a combination. Yeah, but I thought it looked good. Uh, the wonkiest CGI is him on the helicopter. Oh yeah, you know, by far. But it's really not that bad because yeah. it's done in in the dark. Yes. You know, so it's not really standing out all that badly. Um but the the end where they decide to start this new business yeah. called Rare Exports. Man, that is just setting yourself up for failure. I, oh I just, my gosh. I could They're, never trust sending one of those things to another country and hoping <laughs> that it doesn't just snap one day and start kidnapping children. Yeah. Well, the thing is, this movie is essentially a prequel. Because mm-hmm. this director made two, previously had made two short films about mm-hmm. the Rare Exports business. Um, so this film is kind of like, it's kind of like a prequel of how it all started. Um, so it brings us up to that gag of those short films. Um, but I like, it's, it it takes the commercialization of Christmas very literally, (laughs) you know, (laughs) where you make Santa Claus himself a commodity. And, uh, I just think it's great. Yep. I love their training sessions. I definitely want to see, I definitely want to (laughs) see the 2003 short film called Rare Exports Inc., Yep. And 2005 Rare Exports, the official safety instructions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the safety manual? You know, this guy's going berserk. 
But first of all, who 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 is buying Santa's? People in Zanzibar. Yeah, that's a apparently. weird one. Yeah, exactly. African countries, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure who's buying them. This I would imagine where, uh, all Santas come from. I think that's what they're trying to tell us. I would imagine so? it's probably countries who don't know a lot about Santa. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, they showed the one going to what Zanzibar or Zimbabwe yeah, or wherever. Yeah, I think it was Zanzibar. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. But they yeah, only and have like, what they've got. What a hundred and hundred and eighty-five, eighty-nine. I think something like that. Yeah. L they're saying is whatever, and mm-hmm. I love the the little you know, again the dark humor, the the training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's got he's walking behind him with machine gun, you know, mm-hmm. and they've got these. Oh, by the way. I really liked the uh, the creepy straw dolls. Yeah, that yes. they put in the beds to replace the kids. That was that was creepy. They don't like explain that either. So yes, yeah. oh. <laughs> I think that was kind of cool though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they've got those. They're not the same ones, but they're little dolls, and they're they're trying to get these, you know, sitting on the lap, and here give the nothing in there for you, you dirty, you know. Uh, <sighs> I thought that. Was, I thought that was hilarious, and I was like, "Is this really going there? They're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna send these people out." Um, what they say it was uh, sixteen million or something. Like if they, yeah, it's like eighty five thousand each or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah eighty five thousand yeah. each. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus twenty two percent VAT. Don't forget. <laughs> I, don't I love that, that guy. Is. I lo- well, uh, value added tax is what it stands uh, okay. for. Okay, uh, it's basically <laughs> just a sales tax. But um, I love that that character always. You know, he only does it twice, but every time that they're having a conversation about money, he brings up the tax. He's the <laughs> only one thinking, "Hey, don't forget, we're gonna lose one fifth of whatever we make." So, well, what's funny is like he. It's like he's he's essentially like a genius. That's just like mm-hmm. living up there because he's all he's the one that knows English. I, I, I feel like you get the impression this guy is like really smart. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. the he's, he's kind of a savant when it comes to certain things. Um, you know, it's it, it's a great it's a great trio that those three guys make. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it good little. Uh, good little buddy comedy it could be yeah. you know and if they yeah. really took it that way but um but i really does anyone have a rare exports t-shirt with that logo no that'd be worth it though director oh, probably. have a christmas sweater <laughs> i'm making no i'm making one up I, there's got to be a uh uh, a nice big print of that somewhere on the internet, and I'm going to cardigan or something. That thing. <laughs> cardigan. <laughs> I'm not sure if well, I need a cardigan. Christmas I'll, cardigan. I'll, I'll, yeah. uh, I, just, I just want that, you know, because you, you don't even realize what it is until you really stare. It's like Santa, you know. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. it's, it's so cool looking. I just want a, a t-shirt with that on the front, and on the back it doesn't have to say anything it just it's be one of those things you could wear to like a horror convention and and only the cool people would look at you and they'd look at and they and they just nod yeah exactly on the back of the shirt just put one sawed off horn yeah yeah (laughs) just one not both yeah Uh, i just i just remembered something else i think that one of the one of the videos that they released before this um it's i think it's actually like because it's it's a lot of the same actors Mm-hmm. Um, that are in the short films, but I think one of the films is pretty much about um, them hunting wild Santas <laughs> and like capturing <laughs> them. Uh, so it's not just the hundred and eighty something that they capture. I guess that there's there's supposed to be other of these guys out in the wild now that they have to go <laughs> that they capture and train and send out. So <laughs> I love that idea. I just love that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a crazy. Uh, I was just looking them up, and and both of those short films are on Vimeo. Nice. Okay, so if you want to watch them, go to Vimeo. Uh, Rare Exports, the official safety instructions, 
and Rare Exports Inc. So, all right. Any anything else you want to say, uh, negative or positive, about the movie? Uh, I'll just uh, say one thing. I think that it it I love how it kind of taps into the inherently creepy aspect of Santa. Yeah, that he's like this judgmental, omniscient being. <laughs> You know, uh, mm-hmm. he knows everything about you and uh, he's very judgmental. And I like how they, they kind of take that to a certain extreme in this film. <laughs> well, think about it. I mean, the guy comes down your chimney, eats all your cookies. It's he could have really killed cool. you. He could have. He could have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm really. Um, kicking myself that I waited this long to, to watch this movie. Now I will say this, uh, my, my score is probably going to be lower than your guy, you, you guys, because there were some things that after my initial watchings, I, I wanted more of, but this, this is definitely one I'm going to come back to, uh, probably year in and year out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'll probably grow to, to just accept it for what it is. And, 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 and love it. And my score will probably go up, but, um, just wanted to, uh, to say that. So let's go ahead and, uh, give it a score guys. Um, let's go with uh, Revenant Vin first. Uh, like I said, this is a semi-regular classic for me. Uh, you know, in my rotation, at least every other year, uh, for Christmas season. Uh, so I'm at a nine. Um, I think this is, uh, definitely for me, it's one of the best. Um, again, and not a subgenre like we talked about before that is necessarily a favorite of mine at all, but it's definitely one of the best and one that I return to. I really love the the combination, again, of that whimsy, of that kind of magical aspect. Uh, I like what they do, the dark humor. Uh, you know, Jerry mentioned the heart in the film. Um, mm-hmm. All that stuff really amounts to just a, a very a terrific film. Yep. All right, Mr. Venom. Well, I mean, I'm right there with Vin. I mean, this uh, the cinematography is gorgeous. These performances are great. Um, the soundtrack even sounds mildly American. It's got like a big, at times, has like a blockbuster feel, almost like Jerry a Jerry Goldsmith type thing. Um, so they emulated the big American soundtrack really, really well. Um, like I said, I mean, there's almost nothing negative I can say about the movie um, other than like little nitpicky logical stuff, which again, why are we talking logic when we're talking about an ancient frozen Santa Claus, you know, <laughs> and his helpers. So um, I'm right there with Vin, nine out of 10. Yeah. I- I'm going to say that this is uh, an eight out of 10 for me initially. And uh, that's only because I, I thought it would took a little bit too long to really get going. And I really wanted more of the, um, uh, the elves like doing mischief and, and being more horrific. So, but you know what? I, I totally agree with you guys. This, this is one of the better Christmas horror movies out there. And I think it's underseen. Um, even though it's available on shutter and it was available on Netflix, I think it's underseen and I think people skip it number one, because it's subtitled and, and they don't want to bother with it. But uh, I definitely recommend this. And it, it's, it's probably a top five Christmas horror movie. I, th- I think top five. Uh, it is for me. Yeah. 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 So, all right, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to spoil the heck out of better watch out wondered how Santa could know if you're naughty or nice each year as you grow. 
For hundreds of years, it's been a big secret. <laughs> it now can be shared if you promise to keep it. I'm gonna name him... Buddy. Okay, we are back, and Captain Creepy has hopped on with us. What's up, Captain Creepy? Hey, Martinado, and my other fine co-host, Mr. Venom, and Mr. Revenant, and how's everything going, guys? Very good. We're Great. good, man. We're good. Awesome. Um, I did say one of your favorite Christmas horror, whatever theme, is going to be Nightmare uh, before Christmas, right? I, I know you would probably mention that if you you're a big Jack Skellington guy. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah. I I just don't know if you could put it in the the horror genre. I know it's you know Tim Burton driven, but uh, Mr. Venom watches it on November first. Nice. <laughs> just because that's when the that's technically when the movie starts. It's the day after Halloween, so it, every November first I watch it. There you go. So that should be your tradition now, Captain. <laughs> November 1st. Of course, I he watches it throughout throughout the year, I'm sure. Well, I was going to say, I watch it twice a year. I watch it once for Halloween and, and then Christmas time. Nice. <laughs> All right. Original. All right. right. <laughs> well, we're going to get into, I'm going to say it again, spoiler filled, not free, spoiler filled uh, review and discussion of the 2016 film Better Watch Out. Uh, originally titled Safe Neighborhood. Um, this one is a, is a movie that we got to see. Myself, Captain Creepy, and uh, Revenant Vin, we all saw this together um, at uh, Psychorama Film Festival. Um, I guess it was, was it 2016? I think it was 2017. 17? Yeah. I, I was thinking two years ago, but maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think it's 2017. It's been a while. But. Um, we saw that saw this together, and it was still in its um, uh, you know festival type run. hadn't really come out yet, uh, and we had a good time with it. So it is uh, uh, comedy crime horror. Came out October twenty uh, October sixth, two thousand seventeen. Uh, one hour twenty nine minutes long. Rated R, most definitely. Uh, Chris Peckover is the director. Um, he has one other film to his credit it was it's called undocumented um that came out in 2010 i'm not even sure what that is anybody ever seen that mm-hmm. Undo- undocumented yeah. it's a horror movie um a documentary crew of a company a group of undocumented immigrants crossing the border but they get captured huh that kind of reminds me a tad bit of a culture shot mm-hmm. undocumented i want to favorite that and, and give it a watch it looks pretty good um and then uh it's it's uh got a a, a great cast i think uh, uh, don't let me forget here zach Kahn wrote wrote it so um the cast is olivia is it dijon i believe her name is i don't think it's dijon so better I than i can dijon. pronounce it yeah uh as ashley levi miller as luke ed uh, oxenbold as garrett uh alex Mickick as Ricky, 
We got um, uh, Patrick Warburton as Robert Lerner and Virginia Madsen <laughs> as uh, Deandra Lerner. And they have a, a small role, but they're pretty hilarious in their small role. Um, so let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, well, let me get let me give the uh, suburban uh, the suburban. Let me give the uh, synopsis here uh, on a quiet suburban street. A babysitter must defend a 12 year old boy from intruders only to discover it's far from a normal home invasion. We're going to roll the trailer. When we get back, we're going to spoil the heck out of better. Watch out. Want to put her in the mood? Watch a horror movie. Dude, she's like twice our age. I really don't think it's going to happen. She's here. You are breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you. Now don't stay up and watch scary movies, okay? It'll give you nightmares again. So what do you want to do? Ricky, why can't you just leave me alone? He's such a jerk. Don't hang up on me. What was that? Oh my god. Get away from the window. There's someone there. Ashley! Are you hiding? I'll find you. Don't worry, I'll protect you. Okay, we are back. Um, let's start this time with uh, Mr. Venom. Mr. Venom, when's the first time you saw this, and uh, first impressions? Um, well, first time I saw it was right in 2017, uh, right when it came out. Once again, I was able to see it at uh, Independent Theater out here, um, probably less than a month after you guys saw it at Psychorama. Um and I absolutely loved it after my first watch. It was one of those. It was one of those things where I kind of shut my brain off. I didn't think about it logistically. I just kind of watched it for enjoyment, and I really liked it. I thought it was thought the gore. You know what little gore we get was effective. The kills are pretty cool, um, even though some are off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was a cool little swerve because uh, for those who don't remember this movie, the trade, the original trailer for this movie kind of made it look like a home invasion movie. Mm-hmm. And you even get a little bit of that element in the first like 10, 15, 20 minutes of the movie where, you know, there, there is a faked home invasion. But, um, so the swerve in the movie was something that I definitely wasn't thinking about at the time and, um, or expecting, and I enjoyed it a lot. Now, with subsequent rewatches, I have again um, 
my logistic brain just kind of turns on when I watch it. And the more times that I watch it, I hate to say, uh, the less I like the movie. It has a lot of, it's got some plot issues. It's got some major logic issues in it that, you know, we'll get into here in a little bit, but I still enjoy the movie. It's a very well-made movie. I'm obviously it looks great set at Christmas. You know, you got the nice white snow, nice white suburban neighborhood. You know, it's very, you know, it's very, uh, any town USA or at least any town with money USA, Mm -hmm. because this is a pretty big house um, and a, you know, a pretty affluent neighborhood. So again, um, you know, it it has some elements of a standard, uh, you know, Christmas horror film, but obviously, like I said, there's a twist, you know, right at the end of the first act that kind of turns it into something completely different. And, like I said, the the more I think about it, the more I rewatch it, and especially with this last watch, I mean, I couldn't help but roll my eyes multiple times at some of the issues, some of the dialogue choices, some of the line readings um, don't really work for me as much as it did on that first watch when I just kind of, like I said, turned my brain off and just enjoyed it for what it was. Um, but ultimately I still enjoy the movie. Um, it's definitely not in any kind of regular rotation for me because of some of the problems that I have with it, including the ending, which we'll get to. Um, and and when I say the ending, I mean like the very, very end, like the mid credits, little tiny piece, uh, kind (laughs) of really bothered me a little bit, but like I said, we'll get into into it. I assure you. (laughs) Um, so yeah, um, you know, it's a fine film, very solid. I I know a lot of people like it much more than I do. And you know, that's cool. I'm not going to argue with anybody about it who loves it. But like I said, the more I watch it, the more problems I have with it. So it's probably better I not watch it anymore so I could at least, uh, you know, still hold on to the memory of that first watch, seeing it in the theater when it was all fresh and surprising. Um, But yeah, still a good movie. Um, Just not a favorite of mine by any stretch. Okay. What about you, Cam Creepy? I, I knew you were going to call me next, and I was going to say that uh, I should have had a pen and notepad and wrote down everything Jerry just said, so I could re- repeat it back verbatim. That <laughs> my sentiments are almost exact. It was, I, I, I feel exactly what he said that the, with the first watch, uh, it was satisfying. Going back and rewatching it, I've noticed you know a little couple uh, flubs here and there, but I still love the ending. I, I think that's the clincher. It, it, it does seal the deal on the end of the movie that makes you appreciate a little bit more. But yeah, there is like Jerry said, there is some choice dialogue that, and the acting uh, that was weak in certain points. And, uh, but uh, you, I didn't answer the question about when I first watched it, which you already kind of covered that we saw it at the film fest. And I haven't watched, I haven't watched it since watching it yesterday was the first time I've watched it since then. So I still kind of had fresh eyes on it. Uh, but when we get further into the discussion of the movie, uh, which if somebody doesn't already beat me to those, you know, little details here and there, I'll, I'll point some of those out. Okay. All right. What about you, Van? We already know when you first saw it, what's your first impressions? Uh, the first time I saw it, uh, definitely really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the twists. Uh, I enjoyed the Home Alone references. Uh, and <laughs> But I can definitely sympathize with what Jerry and Captain Creep have been saying. Um, I showed it to my wife the other night. Uh, it was her first time watching it. And 
<clears throat> you know, once you know the twists and you rewatch it, uh, you definitely find, especially for me, it was stuff in the first act, uh, that there's things that are, the, the planning is just way too elaborate. <laughs> and there's way too many variables, way too many things that go wrong, and it just really stretches credulity. Uh, the first time you watch it, you don't really have time to think about that stuff. Um mm-hmm. So, you know, I said that that this is not a movie that I can see myself necessarily going back to, but I had fun showing it to my wife. So I feel like this is the kind of movie that is fun to show to new people. Um, And I think that's probably where where the value really lies. That's when you say that thing, because I I showed it to – well, I didn't show it directly to my kids. They started watching it when I was watching it. So I I share that with you. Yeah, I got to share it with somebody else while I was watching it. Did they like it? Um. Uh, Selena, my oldest daughter, gave it a six. Uh, and, <laughs> and my other daughter did not like it at all. And they didn't like the, uh, the rapish <laughs> issues. <there>. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny I, when that, that twist I, happens, when she goes down the stairs and mm-hmm. she wakes up in the chair and my wife was just like, oh, wait, it's this kind of movie? <laughs> she, exactly. she was definitely, she, she had apprehension for the rest of the film. <laughs> oh, wait, it's this kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, the first, I'm kind of echoing everybody here. The, the first time I watched this at the at the um, Cine, the festival, oh my gosh, Psychorama the festival, man, I, I was like, I was blown away because I really wasn't expecting much, you know. Uh, and it, it really, it shot well, it looks great, it, the score is good, the acting yeah, is really good. I enjoy all three of the main actors in this movie, um, Olivia Dijon uh, and, and uh, Ed Oxenbold back together again because they were both in The Visit. The Visit, yeah. And um, and then Levi Miller, I thought, was really good. Um, he was he was good, it, except for the voice squealing. That was starting to get on my nerves the second time around. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I mean, that's who he was. He was a 12-year-old kid. He was you know? a 12-year-old so, in a 15-year-old body. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... You know, and and I was uh, uh, I really liked the, the the cinematography and the Christmas decorations, and it just it made me feel Christmassy. The snow at the beginning, uh, I enjoyed the the comic relief. Uh, Ed Oxenbold is always funny. Uh, he was funny in the visit, and he's funny here. Uh, and, and but watching it the, the second time, that which is just you know yesterday, uh, I still enjoyed it. But I found myself trying to like kind of pick apart or trying to look for clues like he might, you know, have given away some clues as to what the twist was. You know, and, and I didn't really find it, but I did, you know, I, I did find myself distracted because I already knew the best part of the movie, which is the mm-hmm. twist. And uh, I think knowing the twist actually kind of makes the. I think that first act drag a little bit uh-huh. because you're kind of like waiting. Okay, let's get to the real movie because this is not what we're in right now. Um, I, don't know, I might be alone in that one, but I felt myself. I, I can see with repeat watches every time I watch it, getting a little bit impatient during those scenes. Yes, same. Well, I, same. I, I do remember watching this and and uh, not feeling that it drug at all, and really thought it flowed well. But when I watched it this time. Especially the time when you know when it's it's the quote unquote home invasion. I was I had forgotten like how it transitioned. You know I had completely forgotten like how it transitioned. So that was 
that was good that I, I was waiting on that. I mean, I, of course, I could you can't forget the ending, but I did forget how it transitioned from this home invasion film to to what it becomes. And um, yeah, that that was that was good. But um, what did you guys think of the the acting and ev- and everything? <laughs> Don't all talk at once. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I think it was strong, but I mean, except for the guy squealing. But yeah, other than that, strong performances. I really, I mean, I wasn't bothered by the acting. I think the kids actually pull off some really good American accents, mm-hmm. uh, considering that just about the whole cast, except for the parents, are Australian. Um, but I know that I know that Jerry had some issues, so I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear. Uh, the I parts heard, that he I didn't like slip once. I, I said I wasn't even didn't know she was Australian at the time, but I was like, is she British or something? Like that? I just heard her her accent slip. <laughs> I never I never heard the accent. It was no, like it, it was it was early, like so she got it wasn't as soon as she got at the house, but shortly after that, I would have to go back and like. Was death. it the part where it's she said, uh, "Good eye, mate"? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Shrimp I on the bobby. It's, it's mostly the the high doorknobs that give it away that you're not in the u.s uh those double yeah. doorknobs that are like nose level yeah <laughs> i think uh i i think i heard what um creepy was also heard i think it was during the scene with the spider i think when she um when she acts scared of the spider i think her real accent came out a little bit right there oh did it uh, okay. i i think so i think because i remember making a mental note of it too i didn't write it down but i remember thinking <laughs> Hmm, her accent kind of changed there for a yeah, second. I wish I would have timestamped that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm hearing a lot of talk about how, you know, everybody seems to be a fan of most of the acting. I am not that big a fan of our main kid. I didn't think that he was that great an actor, honestly, and at least in this film. Um, I don't know, the whole... He, the whole psycho thing. I mean, he kind of, he gave away the fact that he was the antagonist multiple times early on. That the whole thing with the wine bottle, um, and even the spider. I mean, how many movies have we seen where somebody will be gentle with an insect or an animal, but then turn out to be an absolute psycho when it comes to dealing with other people? Okay. So as soon as I saw that spider scene, and then even the way that he reacted when his, when the babysitter took the bottle away from him. Uh, I guess it was champagne, wine, whatever it was that, that he was drinking. Um, instantly, I'm just like, okay, there's something. It, it didn't hit me as hard the champagne. first time, but on the first uh, on the first watch, I still did think about it. Was anybody like, else hmm. getting um, Edward Furlong Terminator 2 vibes from the kids acting? Ooh. <laughs> actually, I was. That's, that, yeah, you're actually not that far <laughs> off now that I think yeah. about it. My, my thoughts especially with that is – uh, the kid, I mean, he wasn't perfect, obviously, oh. but, um, but the thing is, uh, I think to get an actor that age to try and pull off what he was trying to pull off, I think he did an okay job. You know I what I mean? I think, I didn't think he pulled off the innocent kid part of it as well. Like I, I got psycho well, from that. Kid I, I don't, I don't think, the, I don't think the script pulls that off. Um, mm-hmm. they're having him do weird things in the very beginning. I think that. You know, at first, you know, we're supposed to think that he's just desperately horny or something like that. Uh, but, you know, I think the script is having is is kind of nodding a lot more than his acting was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I guess. I'm... I mean, for me, for me, it was the acting. Uh, it was just mm-hmm. it, he didn't play the innocent kid as well as he could have. Um, I, I mean, even thinking about like from earlier this year, the prodigy, when that kid 
played the innocent kid, he came off as an innocent, believable kid. But then when, you know, the the psycho that was possessing him came out, he did he still did a great job of playing, you know, a kid possessed by a crazy, you know, guy. Yeah, but I feel he, like this kid had to hold most of the movie himself. Uh, oh, that's probably true, which is probably so, why I'm not as big a fan of it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I think, but yeah, I think uh-huh. here's the question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this was going to be his plan no matter what? Or do you uh, think when he made that advance, if she would have kissed him and made out with him or whatever, if he would have? Oh, absolutely. He, he, I, would, he, I, he wouldn't have a reason to go on with the rest of the plan if she actually played along. Mm-hmm. I don't know but, because but at he, the same he, time. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say at the same time he was probably ninety nine point nine nine percent sure that she wasn't going to go along. He yeah. was probably fairly convinced that there's no way that this good looking sixteen seventeen year old whatever she is is going to make out with my thirteen year old ass. So I, I think he had that plan. Maybe not exactly how it went, because obviously there were some snags, but just the, the way that he was able to adjust and, you know, make up for the swerves that happened throughout, um, it, it just, it came off as almost too conniving, too convincing. Like, it, the point I'm trying to make is it's going to be very difficult for you or anyone to convince me that a 12-year-old white kid from a rich family is this much of a maniacal genius. It just, I mean, we're not talking about a 12 year old gangbanger who's been around guns his whole life or, you know, uh, you know, lived in bad neighborhoods. We're talking about a white kid who's probably never seen any kind of dread his whole life. And somehow this kid is like Hannibal Lecter smart. That bothered me. That, that to me was too much of a convenient plot point. Well, you can have, you can, I mean, you can be, a suburban white kid and have a high IQ and learn how to do anything off the internet. I mean, honestly, you got, you got kids building pipe bombs and doing, I mean, there's there's intelligent kids. I understand that that, a pipe bomb is you're killing people from afar. This kid is staring people in the eyes while he's killing them. That's, that's not something that you see in, uh, you know, American suburbia. It's not something that you see. I'm not saying that it's an absolute impossibility, not at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that in this, in the context of this film, just the way that this kid was able to adjust to all the, you know, swerves, um, all the problems, all the hiccups, the snags to his plan, it was just too convenient. They made him so hyper, in, maniacally intelligent that it just made the movie work. And it's like. But that's 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 what I'm talking about with my rewatches. Every time I watch this, I'm less and less convinced that this is a believable, grounded in reality story. I'm not sure if that's that's the cool thing. Is that's the cool thing though? Is he was very smart, and this was a very diabolical plan, very planned out. And yes, he had some luck go his way and all that because things didn't go exactly as planned. But that's how it. That's why it makes. It all the much better when she he's looking at the bedroom window and she gives him the finger because he's not as smart as he thinks he is. You know, he he, he got bested by the babysitter. So uh, I mean, and that's what I'm talking about, that, that tag on scene at the end, which we'll get into later, that made me almost hate the movie. 
Yeah, well, well you didn't know that that's, there, there's but... a better watch out too, completely set in the hospital. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just like Halloween too. It's called tell, don't tell mom the babysitter's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're essentially but, setting him up to be a psychopathic Kevin McAllister. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, that's what I mean. It just doesn't work for me. Like, I'd like you can have a crazy kid. You can have a kid with a dark side. Yes, I understand that. This kid is dispatching people like he's been doing it for years. Now, you know, but they don't give us any type of history of that. They don't say that this kid's like, you know, been killing animals or that, you know, animals go in the neighborhood, go missing or kids go. I mean, nothing. There is absolutely no exposition convincing me that this kid is smart enough to pull this off. It just comes out of nowhere. It's just convenient writing for me. Or I don't need I don't need all that exposition to make it work. I mean, oh, I, I, I just want a don't. lot of exposition. Don't get me wrong, but you yeah. got to tell me something that's going to convince me that this kid is able uh, is capable of pulling this off. And nothing that it's that is presented in this movie, other than actually seeing the plot, you know, play out, yeah. convinces me that he could do it. it I just, mean, I see what you're I see what you're saying, but I, I think the fact that that's where this movie goes. That's the whole point. Like you don't need, you know, any background like, Hey, you know, this guy killed a bunch of cats and stuff. You you don't need that. This is, this is a, this is a bad egg. This is a, a a rotten, you know, the bad seed or whatever. Oh, don't compare this to the bad seed. The bad seed (laughs) is citizen Kane compared to this movie. But, but what I'm saying (laughs) is he is, he is a, a sociopath or a psychopath, probably more of a sociopath. And, and he's very intelligent, and he's a manipulator, and he and he laid this out, and and he, things went wrong, and and he still was able to, you know, uh, and he did it with the help of a friend who, you know, was manipulated. And the, the one thing that I I had a problem with is that he just easily dispatched his best friend. That's what I'm know? talking about. That's and, that's one example of what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I mean, he was he was obviously upset that he had to do that. Uh, and that was actually pretty sad when, when uh, the, kid was, the kid was like, I want my mom. Sad, sad to you. Yeah. I was laughing. <laughs> you deserve it, you dumb little creep. Every time I watch this movie, I just have more and more problems with it. I should, I should probably never watch it again so that at least it remains an average movie in my eyes. Oh, yeah. It's way, it's way above average. It's way above average. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really liked um, uh, Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen. Oh, they just had a, a small, small part there at the beginning, and uh, you, you know, Patrick Warburton—he was just so dry, <laughs> and she, she, the the mom was just giving it right back to him, and, and the whole bit about the tie, and uh, yeah, I thought they were funny, good comic relief, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, well, one thing I think the film does well, Jerry probably won't agree with this, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, it does a pretty good job of setting up characterization pretty quickly um, without kind of over explaining or having it be forced or really artificial. I think in a fairly mm-hmm. short amount of time, you get a pretty good sense of who these characters are because some mm-hmm. of them are not on screen for very long. Uh, but I do feel like there's there's a whole person there for the most part for these characters. Mm hmm. Yeah. I feel that way for everyone except the main kid. Mm. <laughs> like I said, I just don't Wait. feel I, I even a little tip of the hat to say that, 
you know, this kid potentially is capable of this. I don't know. Hell, make it make it a video game reference. Say say that he beats every horror video game in like, you know, a, you know, a couple no, of hours. Just no, something. I need no. something. You cannot that would logistically be so cheesy. I don't no. care. I it, no. I need something. And, and you guys know that I usually am a very okay with ambiguity in my movies. I have no problem with it. But in this one, it's just the suspension of disbelief is I, I have to suspend spend it so hard to believe that this kid could pull this stuff off and well, I, I, I think there there is an easier i mean i think there's a little more of a graceful way to do it right i mean he's too old to have a babysitter in the first place yes right but if you set it up to be like you know maybe there's some kids who have gone missing in the town right so then when the home invasion arc happens you think this is how those kids are going missing right Ooh. but then the twist is no it's this kid actually he's been killing people right Perfect. and yeah I, th- I think that's the way you can you could tie it in somehow but they you know it, they really didn't set it up at all I mean, the only thing they say is that he killed a hamster or something like that and did it on purpose um but yeah it would have been it would not have been a, a, a negative to have them show us a little bit yes. that this kid has been doing crazy stuff for a long time even yeah. one line, even uh, like you said, even if the parents, as they were walking out, would have just said one thing like, oh, make sure you lock your doors and windows. Don't forget, you know, little Susie's been missing for a couple of weeks. Th- that's it. That's all they would have had to have done. And I would have been content with that because that sets up that, OK, maybe potentially this kid had something mm-hmm. to do with the, that crime as well. And also why they would have a babysitter for him. Or yeah, they, I mean, or they could have said why we really should have picked alone. up. We should have really picked up his meds before we're going out on this dinner date. We forgot to do that. I, <laughs> now I, that. I mean, the lack of meds would, you know, if he was bipolar or had some kind of, you know, mental health issue, it, it would, I could see him getting violent, but that's the thing. He never really loses his cool no. in this movie. He's just way too smart and calculating. He for you know, it just seems like he's been... screaming and squeaking that he had right. to kill his best friend. He, he yeah. lost his cool. Right. That's the only I mean, time. Two Jerry's. Mm-hmm. To Jerry's credit here, like it seems like she's been babysitting him for a long time. Yeah, and it, it seems like he's never shown anything like this before. Well, so, he's, stri- he's driven too because she's moving away. Yeah, That's she's a, moving away, drive, so this is his drive, last drive last chance. Right, and and, he's and the way I, I again I, I disagree with with Mr. Venom. I I don't need any exposition. I don't need any background. I I just don't. That's not this kind of movie. This is a shut your brain off. And, and have fun movie and and everyone watched this first time it did exactly that now but the, does but the it hold up to repeated viewings? you know of what i mean with, with the movie grounded in reality i i would like to see a little uh, bit more reality in but, my but, but come on mr venom i mean <laughs> do you like home alone do you really think no. kevin McAllister could do that I've I mean, never no, seen it's just, uh, you have never seen Home Alone. No, oh. and I refuse to. I don't care. What? <laughs> I will never watch here. Home Alone. I will get say, uh, one of my, I'm going to throw out a like in here. I do like how they use Home Alone as a verb. Yeah. That's yeah, true. You home Alone? Him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and by the way, I watched, a, uh, I watched a video on YouTube uh, this week where they actually set up uh, like a, a a crash test, not a crash test dummy, but the, the real real dummy like a real like it had like skin and whatever and they did all the home alone things on them and yeah those guys the wet bandits would be dead bandits let's just say (laughs) but um yeah so i don't need any of that exposition that's not this kind of movie for me i'm not looking that deep into it and and i i feel that like you know that if if it had 
had gone that way and, and it kind of given me clues and give me, you know, I just would have probably been trying to figure something out. And instead I just shut my brain off and was watching. And, and literally when we were in the theater, I thought this, this was a home invasion movie. Sure. Me too. And then, and then boom, er, and then, we, so that's why it was such a great experience. Again, yes, I agree. doesn't have that same experience when you're watching it, you know, on second, third re- re- uh, repeats, because mm-hmm. you, you just know the twist and it, the, the tension is gone, right? The tension is gone. So I agree with Vin. This, this is a movie that, that like, if you have people that like horror movies and they want to watch something a little Christmassy, whatever, and they've never seen this, this is one of those movies, like it's good to watch with people and then like watch their reaction. Oh, you absolutely. Know, kind of, but yeah, I, you know, I just don't uh, don't think it, you know. But I, again, I, I don't need the realism, like because I don't believe Kevin McAllister, a nine year old left home alone, can do all the stuff that he did to the Wet Bandits. Obviously. But I still enjoy that movie. I still oh, enjoy that movie. It's a fun ride. But, but that's I, not. I, but again, that's not a horror movie grounded in reality. That's a comedy. But so it's still, it changes I mean, the. I don't know. To me, it changes it a little bit. Like I said, we all seem to agree that on first watch, this movie is very fun, enjoyable. We all liked it. But the problem is, is that when you have a movie with a twist like this, some, you know, rewatches are going to be very critical. I mean, think about the second time you saw the sixth sense. We were obviously, you know, more focused on, you know, is the twist given away earlier, blah, blah, blah. That's just the, that's just how it works. And this movie is a movie that in my opinion suffers from rewatches. So that would be my ultimate suggestion. Watch it once, enjoy it, never watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I will agree. Shut the gate. Move it on. (laughs) <laughs> I will agree with you a hundred percent on that. I think everybody here does first watch much better movie than any s- subsequent watches. So, um, I think that's a, a definite. Yes. Uh, I, I like the use of, you know, Christmas music and, and this, you know, this movie. Um, I like the, the cinematography. I like the sound design. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's just very well done. Uh, I thought so. Um, I can't really, really, you know, poo-poo it too much. Uh, again. <laughs> you can let me do that. Yes, I'll let you poo-poo it as much as you want. The, uh, the hate of a thousand burning suns. Oh, Jerry. no, not, the, not nearly that. No, I don't hear anything that much. I want to get a shirt made up for Jerry for that, by the way. I love That's that thing. You're the second person to say that. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I love it. I'll say um, what, I, what I want to do with this movie. Instead of me watching it, Every Christmas, I want to find somebody every year who's never seen it and, and show it to them during Christmas. And they'll have that one viewing. That but what we should do, though, oh, is tape, we should tape them to a chair and make them watch it. We should. <laughs> tape them to a chair and touch their right boob. So, oh, man. Yeah. Is that the one you're talking about? The, the rapey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. that's what I mean. This kid flat out sexually assaults this girl. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. Um, whether you know whether he actually rapes her or not is you know almost uh, not the point. He's absolutely yeah. assaulting this girl, sexually assaulting. Well, one um, thing that I I will give this film credit for is we have that scene and we have some brutal deaths, but the film actually does a pretty good job of maintaining 
a certain lighter tone. You know, oh, like yeah. I, I think of like the deaths, like the deaths are brutal, but they pretty most of the violence happens off screen. Yeah. You know, we don't generally see the deaths except for really one exception. Mostly what we're seeing are reactions from the people witnessing the deaths. Um, so I kind of feel like the film, it keeps it from devolving too much into something that's overly grim and mean spirited. Yeah. So we can still kind of concentrate on the characters and the story. And uh, I, I feel like it's in that way, it kind of maintains a more fun atmosphere. Right. Because yeah. um, I think that if this film had been directed differently, it could be a very different film. So, yes, I, I do have issues with the script, uh, but I think that the directing and the way that certain scenes were set up and shot were actually very good. Sure. Yeah. I'm OK. Yeah. I'm, I mean, for the most part, I'm OK with it. I I do have some problems with the quote unquote home, al- home alone kill and the uh, physically impossible nature of it. But we'll, we'll get to that. How's it physically impossible? Well, think about when Kevin McAllister did it. He was standing at the top of the stairs, and um, the wet bandit was at the bottom of the stairs. So he was able to get a pendulum effect with the can of paint. In this Mm -hmm. movie, our killer is standing above his victim, directly above. If he dropped that can of paint, it's going to snap back. There's no way he's going to get a pendulum effect on that, at least not enough to actually do what it did in the movie. So that that's once again with rewatches, I watch that scene and I'm like, ugh, this did is he painful. drop it or did he toss it out? He swings it because it hits him directly in the face. Well, I mean, not that we actually see that part, but yeah. it's a swing. It's not a drop. But the problem mm-hmm. is, is there's going to be slack on that rope when he drops it. So when the, when the slack is gone, the can is going to snap back. I'm not saying that it won't hit the kid. It might still hit him, but not with the force needed to do what it did in the movie. Yeah. That's, you know, I, again, uh, I'm, I'm interjecting logic into a horror movie, which I know I shouldn't do. But, you know, if I'm going to be forced to watch a movie multiple times, I, I, I just I feel like I have <laughs> to do gonna it. I'm going to be forced because no one else is going to do it. So I got to do it because, yeah, uh, again, uh, that scene was awesome the first time edition. you see it. I, I do want to say this uh, to what Ben was saying what, uh, about him not needing a babysitter. Uh it was very apparent he was very overprotected and and babied and the fact that he still slept with his womb sounds <laughs> you know and, and you know the, he's sleepwalking so we've put a little pencil up there and by the way he wasn't sleepwalking he was <laughs> he was doing whatever he wanted to do yep you know so that is a clue um and you know, so he was extremely overprotected. I don't think 12 is that, uh, you know, big of a, you know, uh, yeah, his, a, his friend is hanging out in his room with cannabis socks. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's not, he's not that innocent of a kid, no, no, <laughs> but, but Hey, that doesn't mean his parents doesn't think, don't think he is, That's you know, true. there's, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, there, there's the Eddie Haskell, have a good measure buddy, friend, Eddie but, Haskell, yeah. Eddie Haskell, <laughs> the, the, the parents think he's just a perfect <laughs> angel, but he's really not. He is the the troublemaker. So I, I don't have that big of a problem with that. I mean, would would I, as a twelve year old boy, be very embarrassed that a sixteen year old girl that I crush on has to come over and babysit me? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Right. I'd be embarrassed and I'd be acting out, you know. But um, uh, but I I, I definitely think the parents. Like that exists. Absolutely. So 
Yeah, um, I have less problem with uh, them wanting a babysitter for their 12-year-old kid than most of the rest of the movie. <laughs> maybe they know he's trouble, and they're like, you know, we need somebody here to keep this kid on a leash. I don't know. but um, All right. Well, anything else we want to say, except for Mr. Venom? He's not allowed to say anything. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, are just we, we going to start doing our dislikes? I mean, we've kind of already been doing it through the whole episode. Yeah, we're just kind of just, just go, go with it. Uh, my, my only other dislike I want to throw out there is the, the scene where the, I guess he's the, the current boyfriend, he gets hit in the head and they're dragging him and there's a big pile of blood being you know dragged behind him. And then the next thing you see, his head's completely clean. Mm-hmm. Was his head washed <laughs> once he was, before they set him up in the chair? Uh, I, I had a big problem with that. Eh, yeah. I didn't really notice it, but yeah, if I had, I probably would have well, added cool, it to my list. <laughs> it was a cool scene with the, you know, that big pile of blood and just being drugged, you know. Yeah, because he's face first in the pile of blood. Right, yeah, you're right, right. right. And the next scene, he's yeah. clean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he does, pee, he does pee his pants, though. Yeah, true. Makes yeah. up for that, right? All the cool, all the cool kids, Peter Pants. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just wrap it up and give this uh, movie uh, a rating. We're going to start with Mr. Venom. Did we're going to see what Mr. Venom says. All right. Well, huh? Rating. Rating. Um, I, 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 you know, obviously, I've already said how much I enjoyed the movie the first time. I think I gave the movie a nine out of ten after my first watch. Um, after my second watch, I had you know more and more problems with it. I think I it went down to an eight out of ten. And now with my third watch, which was this week for today's episode, I, I just found more issues with it. It's st- it's still a solid film. Don't get me wrong. Um, if you've never seen it, which if you've never seen it, you're probably not listening to us right now anyway. But, you know, if you or someone you know hasn't seen it, it's absolutely worth watching. It's a, you know, it, it's a good example of a solid Christmas horror film, at least watch but like i said every time i watch it it goes down so unfortunately i'm gonna have to give this one seven and a half candy canes out of ten all right captain creepy uh, it's like i said earlier i wish i had a pen to write down but jerry just said verbatim uh because <laughs> i i i say the same exact thing and i would also say this is definitely a good time uh good rent one time watch I uh, wouldn't recommend buying it, but it is, and like you said earlier, uh, showing it to people that haven't seen it. And uh, same rating as Jerry, 7.5. All right. Revenant Vin. Um, I'm right around the same area. Uh, you know, I, there are some good things about this movie that really make it worth you know, uh, seeing, even aside from what we've said. Um, I think that, I think our protagonist is pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think she's a pretty strong protagonist for the most part. Uh, I think there's a great use of lighting in this film. Um, it looks great, you know, it's, and they use Christmas colors really well. Uh, I like their thousand uses for duct tape running gag, um, <laughs> and how all that plays out. Uh, but you know, like we said, um, it's great to watch it once. Um, and it's not one that I'm going to watch by myself again, but I wouldn't mind watching it with somebody else. Uh, so for me, that's, that's like a seven out of 10. Um, it's basically like a strong rental. Uh, but not one that I need to keep returning to myself. All right. Uh, I own this on Blu-ray and I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to keep watching it every year and find somebody every year who hasn't seen it and enjoy 
somebody watching this for the first time, even though I can't get back those, you know, feelings and the tension and all of that, that, that you get from the first time watch. I enjoy the movie just as it is, you know, uh, I thought it was around about a nine and a half out of 10. When I first saw it, I was, it was one of my favorites of the year. Uh, I'm giving it a nine out of 10. And I really, uh, like I said, I, I say, get it and show it to somebody new every year. Even if you can't relive that, uh, you can watch somebody else live it for the first time every holiday season and give them a Merry Christmas and send them on their way. That's what I say. Nine out of 10. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the horror cast. Let's go ahead and uh, go around and and, uh, tell people where they can find us on the internet. Captain creepy. As always, you can either find me here on past episodes or present or future. Um, also at the horror cap with a K-A-P at the end of it at gmail.com. And I just want to give a quick shout out to people that are in the military that listen to our podcast. We appreciate everything you do for us. Thank you. All right. Revenant Vin. Uh, you can find my blog at therevenantreview.com. You can find me on our Horrorcast Facebook page uh, under Vin Horrorcast. All right. Mr. Venom. All right. I'll just run down the shows that you can hear me on. Um, No More Room in Hell. No More Room in Hell presents Fresh Cuts. Theme Warriors. Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. Cult Unknown. The Slice and Dice Dreadcast. And then the newest podcast. Yes, I joined another one. Uh, I joined the cast of It's Not Horror, okay? Uh, That podcast is just a commentary podcast. We basically are just looking at non-horror 80s films and, you know, just doing some fun commentaries here and there. Most of these shows can be found on the Horrorphilia network of podcasts. A couple of them can be found on the Legion podcast network. And then on social media, of course, on Facebook, I am Mr. Venom. On uh, Twitter, I am at Jerry Venom. On Instagram, I am at Venom Horror. If you want to drop me an email, the, the address is Mr. Venom Podcasts at gmail.com. Jerry, have you spoken to anybody about your addiction? Um, I speak to, there... I, I, <laughs> believe it or not, I am now on. Is there an intervention he's needed? He first, he's first has to admit that he has a problem. Right. This, <laughs> is, my, this <laughs> is my seventh podcast in eight days, and I'm going to be podcasting for the next five days in a row. Wow. <laughs> yes, I have a problem. When you run out of days, it's a podcast. That's, right. That's pretty That's amazing. Right. <laughs> I might actually take Christmas off. Who knows? Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to uh, drop us a line old school email wise, uh, ask the horrorcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter at the HCast. We're also on Instagram at the HCast. And I believe that's about it. We've we've got some other things going on, the horror amino, and mm-hmm. uh, there's some other stuff. But, you know, anyway, just check us out. The horror cast is wherever we're at. So that's going to do it. And uh, thanks for listening to the horror cast where we're all killer, no filler. Stay scared.